take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me this morning to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We'll be spending four weeks in this familiar passage leading up to Christmas as we look at the four gifts of Christmas, all of those given to us in Isaiah 9, verse 6. As I was thinking about this message and praying through it, I, I couldn't help but to wonder what it would look like if I gave you a blank piece of paper, every one of you, and I ask you to make an honest Christmas list. And I assured you that no one else would see it, not even your spouse, not the one next to you, no one else would see it, not your children. You could just write down, if you were really honest, what you want for Christmas more than anything. I just have to believe that if you did that, if, if you were really honest and you wrote down the things you would really love to have for Christmas, I just have to believe there would be some things on that list that Santa couldn't bring you. I have to believe there would be some things on that list that money could not buy. They're not material things, but nonetheless things that you would love to see happen. And I would have to believe that the older that you are, the more you might find that what's actually on your honest Christmas list are certainly things that money can't buy, that all of a sudden you've realized that you've tried the things of the world and they really don't satisfy, but even in the midst of that, there's just a lot of complicated things in life and there are some things you would love to see taken care of this Christmas. And then what if, Instead of on Christmas morning opening all your presents and having to try really hard to look excited about what you got. What if you actually got some of those things on your honest Christmas list and you were actually filled with a genuine joy and peace and satisfaction because you have discovered that it's actually possible to see some of those things come to fruition. That's really my hope over the next few weeks as we study Isaiah 9-6. As we look deeply at Jesus Christ and the gift he is to us and who he is and what he offers to us, it is my hope that in the midst of that, that you might come to find there is a God who is sufficient to meet every need that we have. Even if it's not always in the exact way we think he should do it. Now Isaiah 9 is a birth announcement. That's really what it is. Now, it's a strange birth announcement. It's, it's unlike any that you have ever received for a few reasons. First of all, it's a birth announcement that was sent before the baby was born. 800 years before the baby was born. And it's in present tense. Like for 800 years before, a child has been born to us. It is the announcement of a birth 800 years before the baby was born. It's also a bit unusual in that it's an announcement that a baby has been born to you. So this is not just a couple saying, hey, we wanted you to know we've had a baby. No, this is an announcement that says you've had a baby. There, there's a baby that has been born to us. Now, in, in college, I saw a few shows that did things kind of like this. Like, you didn't know this, but there's a baby been born to you. This is different than that, but it feels a little bit the same way. Like, congratulations, here's a baby. It's also a little bit odd in, in that it, it tells us before the baby was born exactly who the baby was going to be and what the baby was going to do. Sounds a little presumptuous. So here you go. Here's a baby coming 
800 years from now, it's going to be a baby that's given to you. And let me tell you exactly who this baby is and what it's going to do. That'd be like us in a birth announcement saying, we wanted you to know Josiah James Smith has arrived into the world. We also wanted to let you know that he is going to be a strong, brave, athletic, outdoorsy man, just like his father. Now, you would already know that. I mean, that would be understandable. But it would be a little presumptuous for me to declare that in the birth announcement. That's just, that's just a little bit odd. But the oddest thing about the birth announcement is that it tells us that the baby that's been born is bringing you gifts. I've had five children. None of them arrived bearing gifts. Now, don't be self-righteous. I know that the child itself is a gift, right? I know that. So I know this is a wonderful and a precious gift that money could never buy. This is the greatest gift. I know that. I'm just saying they didn't bring us any gifts. And when you get a birth announcement, the person sending you that announcement is not giving you gifts. The only reason they sent you the announcement is so you give them gifts. You already know the baby was born. Like you've already heard it. You've already seen it on Facebook somewhere. You know this baby exists. And so about three weeks later, you get a card in the mail announcing something you already know. Why? Because they want something from you. They're hoping you bring them something. But this baby brings you something. Like here it is, a baby that has been born to you. And it comes bearing gifts. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 9. If you're there in Isaiah 9 verse 1, say amen. It says this. And I want you to notice, by the way, as we read, this theme of Jesus and his coming of great reversals. Things are turned the opposite of the way they were. So it says, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Neptali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. He took contempt and gloom and turned it around. He also took darkness and turned it around. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of the burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice And with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of the host will do this. Now, the focus of our next few weeks is on verse 6. That a child has been born to us. It is the 
announcement that a child is born and has been born to us. And this child is coming to bring gifts. And so this is a gift that is given to us by God. The ultimate gift giver. There is no gift giver like God. He knows exactly what's on your honest Christmas list. Matter of fact, he even knows what you didn't dare put on your honest Christmas list because you could not even imagine writing it down and thinking that it would happen. He even knows what you can't articulate on your honest Christmas list because you don't know how to put it in words and you actually don't even know what the issue is. You just know there's an issue. God knows all of those things. And he loves to give gifts. You know, Matthew 7 says this. It says, God loves to give good gifts to those who ask him. It brings him incredible joy for us to have joy. He wants us to experience the joy of knowing the gifts that he loves to give. God, as an incredible father, loves to give us good gifts. And he has unlimited resources. So the God that has unlimited resources, that knows exactly what you need, and gets himself great joy out of giving us gifts that bring us joy, has given us gifts that are exactly what we need. Gifts that money cannot buy. Gifts that actually do meet the greatest needs of our heart. And there they are in verse 6. The gift of a wonderful counselor. And the gift of a, of a mighty God. And the gift of an everlasting father. And the gift of a prince of peace. God has given this to you in Christ. He has given to you a wonderful counselor. He has given to you a mighty God. He has given to you an everlasting Father. He has given to you a Prince of Peace. So over the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, I just want us to think about each one of these gifts and what a wonderful gift they actually are. Now, this morning, let's talk about the wonderful counselor. That's a great gift. That is a phenomenal gift. And let me tell you why. It's a great gift because you need counseling, okay? If that wasn't on your honest list, it should have been. You need counseling. I promise you, whether you realize it or not, you need counseling. Bad. People come to me all the time and they share with me all of their stuff. And then at the end they say, Pastor, do you think we need some counseling? To which I say, absolutely. No, you need counseling, like without hesitation. You know, the, the strangest thing happened a few months ago. I was preaching, and I didn't plan this. It wasn't in my notes. I just mentioned, as I was telling some story, that I had seen a counselor at a very difficult time in my life. And then all of a sudden, I got inundated with comments at the end of the service and calls and text messages and everyone saying, Pastor, thank you so much for being honest enough to, to say that you had been to a counselor. But I, I've never told you the whole story, okay? Here it is. So my wife had just gotten done with, a, with an extended illness, uh, it was a very difficult time at work. We had just finished a long building campaign and raised a lot of money. Brother Bill, you know how stressful that can be. So we had done all of that. Uh, I had kind of gotten to that place about eight or nine years into ministry where I'd been pushing really hard and I was burned out. I really didn't want to preach anymore. I had lost a lot of the joy and I was really physically sick. It's just been a really difficult time. And I knew that I was that way, but I just kept pressing on, pressing on, and pressing on. And I got so sick, I just began to go into every doctor I could imagine going to. And every one of these doctors told me there was nothing wrong with me. And I said, well, that's strange because I weigh 136 pounds and I throw up every day. There's something wrong with me. They said, well, maybe, but we don't know what it is. 
So this went on for months and months and months. And all of a sudden, one day, I was, I was laying on the couch at our house, and I get a call, and it's from Megan Connolly. Now, Megan and Kenny were some of our closest friends at our church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Megan was a doctor. She was a pediatrician, all of our kids' doctors. It wasn't super unusual for us to hear from them, but unusual for her to be calling me. But I picked up the phone, and I said, hey, Megan, what's going on? And she says, well, listen, we've been praying for you. We've been thinking a lot about you, and I need to say something to you, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But Kenny and I have been thinking that you need to go see a counselor and we'll pay for it. Now, this is a church member calling our pastor, saying, Pastor, we've been thinking about you and we really have come to the conclusion you desperately need counseling. As a matter of fact, we think you need counseling so bad, we'll book the appointment for you and pay for it. Now, that's a little bit humbling when a church member, and then you start to wonder, does every church member think I need counseling? Like, I, ever, is everybody thinking this and she's the only one that's called me? So this is the honest truth. I promise you this is true. That same week, I get a call from my precious mother. My mother is the most godly saint. She's just precious. She's so sweet. She thinks I'm wonderful. And she calls me one day, and she says, Josh, I was praying for you this morning. I felt like the Lord told me something to tell you, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I, but I need to tell you, I think you need to see a counselor. So twice in one week, my kid's pediatrician, who's a church member, and my mother have both called to tell me I needed professional help, which makes you know for sure everyone else is thinking it. My mom didn't even go to my church. She lives like all across the country, and she already knows this. And you know what? They were right. Like that in the midst of this very difficult situation, it just stirred up all kinds of stuff, and I didn't know how to process it, and I didn't know what to do with it, and it began to manifest itself in all kinds of physical problems, but it wasn't really physical issues. It was emotional and mental issues, and I just needed someone to help me navigate through it. I, I needed a counselor. I think a lot about this and about the fact that all of us have situations like this. The reason is is because life is complicated, and you know what else? You're complicated. Like life is just really difficult. But, but in the midst of all of that, you're not normal. None of us are normal. So, so we've got all this dysfunction. And then someday, if we're self-aware enough, we'll wake up to realize, wait a minute, I, I'm part of the dysfunction myself. All of us have that. I think about Solomon. Remember King Solomon? He took over for his father, King David, a beloved king. He was 20 years old. And when he, became to ki became, when he became king, he entered in really to a time of civil war because there was an older brother that thought he should be king, and rightly he probably should have been, but David had listened to the Lord and anointed Solomon king, which was God's anointed one, and so there was a civil war going on when he took place. So all of this family tension, I know you don't know anything about that, but just complicated family junk happening in Solomon's life. And then his father had left him with a bunch of military and political issues, uh, some things that needed to be taken care of, some alliances that needed to be made. He's 20 years old. He has to do that. And then David had this dream of building a temple for the Lord, like a, a massive temple. But the Lord said, David, I don't want you to build it. I want your son to build it. And so here's this 20-year-old that has to build a temple. He has to make alliances. He has to figure out government, political things, and he has to navigate through all kinds of family drama. One day the Lord comes to him and says, Solomon, whatever you want, I'll give to you. And you know this story. He could have asked for anything. 
I mean, imagine what was on his honest Christmas list. You think you got a lot going on. Imagine all of that. Yet he was smart enough in that moment to realize that what he really needed was just wisdom. And he asked for wisdom and knowledge, and God gave it to him. The truth is, he asked for that because he knew that he was in over his head. He couldn't handle this. There was not one of those areas, family, political, military, the building, none of that he he could do. All of that was beyond him, and all of us are in over our heads. In your family, you're in over your head. In your workplace, you're in over your head. In every situation God has put you in. In your teenage years, in your singleness, in your college years, you're in over your head. You do not have the wisdom you need to navigate any of those things. Solomon was just smart enough to know that, and he asked for that which he needed the most. We all need help in every one of these areas. And I think everyone actually knows this. I mean, this is why every year in America, there are 3,000 self-help books published. Did you hear that? Every year in America, 3,000 self-help books. I read an article a few years ago that said this, you want to get rich? Write a self-help book. You know why? Because the self-help industry in America made $11 billion last year. $11 billion. And I just love this idea of spending a lot of money on self-help books because if you could help yourself, you wouldn't need to spend $11 billion trying to get somebody else to fix you. Like none of us can help this. We can't figure out all the stuff going on in us. We all need counseling and people recognize that and so they're spending $11 billion trying to fix it and it's not fixing it. I was in Dallas, Texas a couple of weeks ago, and I was there with about 50 pastors who've flown in from different places all around America, and we were there hearing some other men who had been doing research on what's happening in the hearts and lives of men in America. They're thinking about launching some new initiatives to try to help men and try to help cultivate an understanding of biblical manhood, and so they spent about two hours going through all the research that they had learned as they interviewed thousands of men. Well, there's a ton of things I could tell you, but here's the most fascinating to me. They interviewed all of these young men and realized that over 80% of them were looking for the same thing. They were looking for an older man to be their friend. Now, I don't know why. I don't know if exactly if it's because they didn't have a father that maybe taught them things they needed to know. But they followed up with that question and discovered this. It's because young men don't need knowledge. They have more access to knowledge than they've ever had before. You can open up your phone and you can get all the knowledge you want. They don't want knowledge. You know what they want? They want wisdom. They want to know how to navigate life. They have come to the awareness that life is really, really complicated. And what you can find on the internet is not sufficient enough. They just want someone to come alongside of them and to give them a little guidance. The truth is all of us need that. We all need counseling. We all sense that life is more complicated than we can navigate on our own. What a wonderful gift of a counselor for those of us who all need counseling. But it's also a great gift because we need good counseling. We don't just need counseling, we need we need good counseling. You know, not all wisdom is, is good wisdom. There's some really bad advice out there. Now, I'm pleading with you not to do this now, okay? Wait till later. 
But I went on Amazon this week, and I typed in in the search bar, and if I see you doing this, I'm going to call you out right now. Best-selling self-help books on Amazon, okay? So many fascinating things I could tell you. Three of the top ten had profanity in the title, which was a little bit interesting to me. One of them was emotional dysfunction as it relates to smell. Bestseller. Bestseller. Another one had a subtitle that said this, How I Changed My Own Story by Saving My Own Life. What you realize as you go through it and you come to the like ninth or tenth one, which is called the Self-Love Workbook, is that every one of these books are just humanistic garbage. They're just, they're just garbage. And the book of James tells us this. The book of James, which really is a book of wisdom in the New Testament, very much like the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, listen to what it says in James 3. It says this. This is James 3, 13 through 18. Listen. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works and meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, here's what it tells us in James 3. It tells us that there are things from above and things from below, things that are earthly and things that are heavenly, things that are spiritual and things that are unspiritual, and that's also true in the category of wisdom. There is really good, pure, godly wisdom that comes from above. But listen to how it defines the wisdom from below. I need you to hear these words. It says the wisdom that is from below is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. There is demonic wisdom. There is all kinds of wisdom out there that is not from God, and James is perfectly fine calling it demonic. It's not just that it's not helpful, it's that it is completely opposed in every way to Jesus Christ. It's demonic. And if you look at the titles of the self-help books that you can buy, what you realize is that in every way they're coming from a humanistic worldview, not from a godly worldview, and they are mostly, for the vast majority of it, demonic. Because instead of making you believe that you cannot help yourself and you need some help from outside of yourself, they try to get you to believe that you can find enough help in yourself. But here's the, the irony of it, is that it says that the more you immerse yourself in that demonic type of worldly wisdom, it says right here, it brings greater disorder and vile practices. So here, here's someone searching for wisdom because life is complicated. 
They, they don't know anything about Jesus. They go to Amazon. They buy a book that looks good. It's the bestseller. They bring it in. It's demonic wisdom because it doesn't mention Jesus. It doesn't draw you to Jesus. And what they don't know is the more they read it and the practice it, the more they're bringing greater disorder on their lives. And so you know what they do? They buy another one and another one and another one and another one until we've made $11 billion a year on self-help books. That there is bad wisdom and bad counsel. So, so here it is. The God who knows you need counseling, whether you know it or not, and the God who knows you need good counsel because there's a lot of bad counsel out there, is the God who has given you the gift of a wonderful counselor. A counselor who gives counsel beyond our understanding, beyond earthly reason, who gives the kind of counsel that comes from above that leads to purity and peace and mercy and always bears good fruit. He's given you a wonderful counselor. Now here's the key. Listen, none of this, you won't get any of this unless you get this. Listen, God has not given us wonderful counsel. He's given us a wonderful counselor. Meaning, God has not given us the gift of good advice. God has given us the gift of a person. For to us, a child has been born, a son has been given, and he will be called a wonderful counselor. The gift is not the gift of advice. It is the gift of a living person named Jesus Christ. This is why 1 Corinthians 1, 24 says Christ is the wisdom of God. It's not that he just has wisdom, he is wisdom. Colossians 2, 3 says this, listen to this. In Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All wisdom and all knowledge and all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Jesus Christ. means that God is not simply giving you a book that is Christian soup for the Christian soul. He's not just giving you little nuggets of wisdom. He's giving you the gift of a person who's wise. I don't know if you've ever thought this, but I've often thought it sure would have been nice if, if this were a topical Bible. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, so in the index, instead of seeing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you, you, you could have actually opened it up and it says, like, chapter one, emotions. And you just kind of go, well, why am I feeling this way? And, then, and then, then chapter two is life's greatest questions. Who am I and why do I exist? And is there any order in the world? And then, and then the third chapter is on the teenage years. And then the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh chapter on I'm parenting the teenage years. And then, and then, then there's, there's a chapter on being single. It navigates you that. Then there's seven chapters on marriage. And then there's a chapter on purity. There's a chapter on, on the workplace and complicated situations. And there's an appendix on dealing with difficult people. Like, wouldn't that be great? But, but you know why God didn't give us a book like that? Because God never intended for this book to be a book that simply points you to all the answers. It was intended to be a book that points you to the person. 
That means every single verse in this book from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21 is meant to point you to Jesus Christ. Every single verse pointing you to Jesus, pointing you to Jesus, calling you to come to Jesus. And the more intimate you get with Jesus, the more intimate you get with wisdom. God did not just give us good counsel. He gave us a wonderful counselor. But the reality is, is that oftentimes we don't want the counselor. We just want the counsel. I mean, going back to James 1, you know that verse in James 1, 5, and 6, where it says this, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask from God, who gives liberally. And we find ourselves in a difficult situation. We say, God, listen, I'm claiming the promise of James 1. You promised me if I needed wisdom, you're going to give it to me without any reservation. Liberally, you're going to give it. So, so I'm, I'm asking you right now, I need it now. Give me the wisdom. But we fail to understand that the book of James is very much like the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs, which is filled with all kinds of good advice, begins in Proverbs 1 by saying this, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, which means this, you never can get any of the wisdom unless first you come into a relationship with God. So it begins with intimacy with God, and as you're intimate with God, he opens up the gates of wisdom. So it is in James 1. James 1 is not inviting us to come to God in our most difficult situation and get all the answers we need at that moment. He's inviting us to walk with Jesus day by day. And as you walk with Jesus, just like Proverbs 13.20 says, those who walk with the wise will become wise. As you walk with Jesus, you become wise. And that's the point of the wonderful counselor. If you were to ask me to summarize all of the wonderful counselor in one statement, I would simply say this. You become wise as you walk with Jesus. So you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I really need some wisdom. And he goes, great, I'm so glad you came. Let's take a walk. And you say, Jesus, that's great. I appreciate the invitation. It means a lot. But I don't really have time for a walk. I need answers. And Jesus says, yeah, I know you need answers. But come and just let's sit for a while. Jesus, I know you know everything, but I don't think you get the severity of this situation. Like, I, I, need, I need answers now. And Jesus says, listen, if you're not willing to walk and if you're not willing to sit, you're not going to find the wisdom. And he does that because he doesn't simply want you to come to get the wisdom. He wants you to come and get him. Because he is the wisdom. And the more you walk with Jesus, the more wise that you become. You know, I, I've been immersing myself in the book of Colossians this week. It's just the Lord, it was in my daily Bible reading, I just kept reading it over and over. And the more I, I've just been thinking this week about the church and why the church exists and what the church is supposed to be, the more I become convinced of how much I love our simple mission statement at Trinity. Our mission is this, to lead people to trust and follow Jesus. That's it. Like, that's what we want to do. We want to lead people to trust and follow Jesus. We have one goal, and that's every time we gather and every time we have a conversation, we just help you trust Jesus a little bit more and follow Jesus a little bit more because we believe that everything flows out of that, that everything flows out of intimacy with Jesus, that it's Jesus who is sufficient, it's Jesus who you need. We do not believe that Jesus is simply what you need to get to heaven. We believe that Jesus is life. He's not just a means to another end. He is the means and the end. He is everything. 
And so we just want to keep pleading with you to walk intimately with Jesus. Because the gift of Isaiah 9-6 is the gift of Jesus who is a wonderful counselor. And as you pursue him and as you walk with him, then you become wise. And the more you walk with him, the wiser you become. And i got to tell you, in some ways I wish there was a quicker fix. Like I wish, I wish it worked that way. But it doesn't. Because Jesus wants you. And he loves you. And he actually wants to walk with you. And he wants to sit with you. And he wants you to know him because he knows that all of the treasures are found in him. So what if we collected all of the honest Christmas lists. And I didn't say your name, and I got your permission, but, but I just started reading them out loud. I think we'd cry. I think if we did read the names, you'd be shocked at what some people wrote. I know you would be. I think you'd be shocked at maybe what the person next to you wrote or someone on your aisle wrote, someone that you've known for years wrote. I, I think we would be, we would be shocked. I think we discover a lot of complicated situations. We discover a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. But maybe, maybe that's actually part of the gift. Maybe the best gift of all is not God delivering you from all those situations. Maybe one of the greatest gifts is God allowing you to be in that situation because God wants to bring you to himself. Maybe what he's doing is allowing you to look at that list of all of the honest things that you really want and see every one of those as an invitation to follow Jesus. He's saying, yeah, I could, I could fix all those right now, just like that in a moment. But I want you to know me because I'm better and I'm sufficient. And I believe that's exactly what the Lord is doing. He's taking the most difficult, complicated situations in our life, bringing us to the realization that we can't handle it on our own. And then inviting us to walk with him and to sit with him and to discover in the process he is a wonderful counselor.